Good day. This is a quick podcast for my U.S. history classes on the Vietnam War. Um, a fascinating conflict, one of my favorite eras in history to study. Um, difficult to do in the week or two that we have for it, very difficult, uh, because there are so many layers to it. So I want to start with defining the focus of this quick podcast, since uh, it won't be all-encompassing. Um, the readings and video for the week, I hope, took you into some of the deep background of the war. Um, some of it more from the Vietnamese perspective in the sense that we have to understand how this conflict flared up over there um, so that we can then come around and look at the impact on the United States, which we'll turn to in more detail next week. Um, so I want to try to do kind of the bridge between the background information that you had for class and then where we're going to go next week which is some of the social political and cultural impacts of the war in the united states Uh, and therefore this podcast will cover how exactly the united states got uh, involved in vietnam in more detail than i think any of the stuff provided since a lot of it was looking at the long deep roots of where the conflict originally flared up, which goes all the way back to the 19th century and French imperialism and Vietnamese desires for independence even at the end of World War I, uh, and look again at the kind of, I guess you could say, medium-term roots of the war uh, for how the United States saw things. So let's give that a go. So you cannot understand the Vietnam War without first uh, laying the groundwork that we did in previous weeks with the Cold War. Uh, There are these basic assumptions in the Cold War that uh, are really important and therefore understanding the logic of Vietnam, maybe air quotes around logic, for Americans. Uh, So let's start with those assumptions. Assumption number one, leading the United States to be interested and concerned and ultimately engage in the Vietnam War is communism is dangerous and it's a threat to our way of life, it's a threat to the world order, and must be stopped and resisted. Related to that, maybe assumption 1A is our policy of containment, that we will not aggressively attack communism. That would be uh, too provocative. That would be warmongering. But we are going to make sure it doesn't go anywhere else. Uh, These lessons were drawn all the way back from World War II and the appeasement of Hitler. Many people regretted, hey, if we just would have stood up to him when he was, you know, confined into Germany, a lot less suffering, a lot less bloodshed, a lot less of a war. Uh, Assumption number two is that all communists are alike, whether we're looking at communists in the Soviet Union, China, or here in Vietnam, they are all united. It's like a global conspiracy. Uh, all of which have the desire of of attacking our way of life, our liberties, our freedoms, our norms, the Constitution, and the American world order. So, uh, again, communism is dangerous. All communists are the same. Uh, And then I would say the third assumption is that we have an obligation, therefore, to help anyone, any people who are opposing communism, no matter the more, uh, no matter the circumstances, no matter what's going on. And we really saw the world through that kind of lens. Really, those three assumptions were pretty crystal clear. And um, 
that's it. So if you see a communist leader or a communist country, uh, you know, causing problems, attempting to expand its power, and so on, something had to be done. And maybe we'll try diplomacy, we'll try economic aid like we did in the Berlin Airlift. But at some point you have to be willing to fight and use the military. Um, there were some successes prior to Vietnam. Again, the Berlin Airlift, the resistance of the spread of communism uh, from Eastern Europe into Western Europe, and the Korean War, where certainly violent, bloody, still unresolved to this day, but right, communism was halted. Uh, at the end of World War One, we rebuilt and rearmed and engaged with uh, many former enemies, West Germany, Japan, and uh, rebuilt their economies and their countries, partially for this purpose, right? And look, look how well it was working, right? These countries are now uh, allies and important allies at that. So America was doing quite well with these assumptions and these policies. Problem with Vietnam is maybe it's a different kind of conflict. Uh, and maybe more nuanced and more complicated. And uh, there was maybe a lack of expertise. Many experts on Asia have been driven out of government uh, as a result of the McCarthy hearings. Uh, and many Americans just had really no knowledge of, of Southeast Asia whatsoever. So I hope the film did a good job of covering, again, the Vietnamese perspective of fighting the Chinese, fighting the French, fighting the Japanese, fighting the French again. Uh, always looking for freedom, and yes, the, the leader was a communist, Ho Chi Minh. Um, but maybe that wasn't the primary motivation. Uh, maybe even for Ho Chi Minh, uh, the primary motivation, motivation might have been independence uh, and freedom, right? So when most Americans become aware of Vietnam, we see um, a communist, Ho Chi Minh, fighting our allies, the French. And that's bad, so let's support the French and let's oppose Ho Chi Minh, even if he's quoting the Declaration of Independence and things like this that we saw in the reading. Uh, he's a communist, all communists are the same, all communists are dangerous, and all communists want to destroy our way of life. Uh, then, uh, after the fall of the French, there is a division of Vietnam into North Vietnam, North Vietnam uh, which is going to be controlled by Ho Chi Minh and South Vietnam. South Vietnam and North Vietnam are supposed to hold elections to see who will unify the country. The division was supposed to be temporary. Um, again, I think the film briefly covered some historical differences between North and South Vietnam. They saw themselves as one people, but there are some different ways of life, different cultural, different economic uh, ways of living. So there were some differences between the North and the South, but they saw themselves as one people. Anyway, so this election is held, Ho Chi Minh wins. And the United States, who has sort of taken over the diplomatic lead in the world, and certainly even in Vietnam from the French, is like, okay, wait, we can't let a non-communist country be sort of absorbed by a communist country. That violates all of our rules, containment, and this general view on communism that we have. Uh, so war breaks out. North Vietnam and South Vietnam go to war. South Vietnam is essentially controlled by the military, um, but it's a regime that we're supporting. 
starts with aid, starts with advisors to try to help them train their army. Uh, in many ways, the North Vietnamese army, the NVA, and the Viet Cong, their communist allies sprinkled throughout the South, were uh, better prepared and better fighters. So we're going to send some advisors and train them, arm them, right? Then that fails to have adequate progress, so then we're going to start having airfields and having the Air Force involved. They're going to bomb enemy positions. They're going to go into North Vietnam, right? These airfields eventually, though, of course, are going to come under attack from Viet Cong, communist fighters in South Vietnam and the North Vietnamese. Therefore, we need to send the troops to uh, the Marines to guard the air bases. Right from there, th they're still going to be attacked, of course, right? So now we need to have the Marines and the military go out into the jungle, find the enemy where they're at, right? And meet them out there. And if you follow, you know, I'm condensing, you know, 20 or plus years of policy into a few minutes here. If you follow that, you inevitably are going to get further and further into the kind of quagmire of Vietnam, right? Uh, eventually, you have things like pride come into play. The president doesn't want to look like he's lost a war against communists. You know, Americans have never lost a war, right? Uh, maybe not quite entirely true, but perceived that way. So, you know, we're going to go in. Right, you eventually need more and more men to do this. You're going to have a draft. That's going to create all kinds of issues and challenges at home, politically, culturally, socially, and so on. Uh, and that's the sort of stuff we'll get in next week. But I hope that this quick little talk helps you understand kind of the American perspective. There's a, a great video, again, I believe at the start of the one shared this week, where it's sort of a montage of clips of different presidents talking about Vietnam. Um, where uh, Lyndon Johnson is saying, like, look, if this little country can't defend her freedom and goes down the drain, what's going to happen to all the other little countries, right? And then John F. Kennedy is saying, you know, in so many words, if South Vietnam were to fall and his Boston accents pretty soon, Laos and Cambodia would fall. Uh, and this is encapsulated by a very simple idea called the domino theory, Right? One domino falls, that's South Vietnam, all the other dominoes might fall in Southeast Asia, maybe pretty soon with the Philippines, maybe we'll be fighting them in, in L.A. before it's all over, so we've got to stop them there. Uh, and so I hope that helps explain things. Uh, again, everything I said maybe can just be more quickly and efficiently understood by just this concept of the domino theory, uh, but I hope the details helped you in just understanding kind of our psyche um, with regards to communism and communists in this era. Thank you. See you all soon. Hope you're all well.